Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. And I always enjoy coming to Centerville. It's good to be with you here today. And before we get into our message, let's go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we just pray that you would be with us in a special way today. We thank you for the blessing that we have of worshiping you. And I pray that we would set our hearts and minds upon heavenly things and that you would speak to us in a special way today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title for our message this morning is Pilgrims and Strangers. You know, it's less than two weeks until Thanksgiving Day. Before you know it, we will be sitting together with family and friends, eating a meal, thanking the Lord for the blessings that he's given us. And every year that we have Thanksgiving, it's um, a continuation of what started so many years ago when Squanto and the Indians and the Pilgrims met together to thank God for his blessings of sustaining their needs, that first harvest in America. And yet sometimes I wonder, you know, when you look at the Pilgrims, they left England and they went to Holland so that they could find religious liberty and then they fled Holland and came to America where America provided that land of religious liberty which as of now it still is a place where we can worship God in freedom. And yet sometimes I wonder that when we come to Thanksgiving and when we come to that Thanksgiving dinner what are we thanking God for? Is it for the good food and for the prosperity that God has given us? Is it for our football team winning the game on Thanksgiving? What are we thanking God for anymore? Or are we, like the pilgrims of old, seeking a better country? Because that's what Thanksgiving was originally founded upon. And I want to take a look at this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, where the pilgrims really took their name from. They said they were seeking a better country. And this verse meant so much to them. And yet it has so much more meaning than just the ancient pilgrims coming from Holland across the Atlantic, landing in Plymouth, and setting up in the land of America where we can still enjoy the benefits of a land where we can worship God in freedom. And I want to start in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Here Abraham is called to go to a different place. This is how Abraham becomes a pilgrim, a stranger. He is the original pilgrim and stranger of Scripture. Leaving his land, Ur of the Chaldees, going to a place that he should after receive for an inheritance. But throughout the years of Abraham's life, Abraham never received the promised land as an inheritance. And in fact, when Abraham's wife died, he had to buy a piece of property to bury her because that property did not belong to him. God said, this land will be yours. But yet, throughout the rest of his life, when he lived in the land of promise, he never owned his own property. 
until he bought that cave. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now notice, Abraham is living in the land of promise. Now when you look at the type of housing that Abraham lived in, did he build a three-story mansion that had two floors of basements below the three stories? No. He lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Now, tents, what do we know about tents? Do they have foundations? No, they don't. Tents are something that you can just pick up and move as quickly as you need to. But Abraham, he's living in the land of promise, and yet his own housing, he's not putting roots into them. He's not putting a foundation into the house. He's dwelling as if he doesn't belong there, even though it's the land of promise. And he raised his son and his grandson, Isaac and Jacob, came up with the same mentality. They dwell in tabernacles, were in tents. They were the heirs of the same promise, but yet they lived in this land of promise as if they were living in a strange country. They were pilgrims and strangers. Now, why did they live their lives in such a way? Verse 10 says, For he looked for a city which does have foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, Abraham wasn't living for the present life. That was not his focus. He wasn't living for the here and now and saying, here I've gotten to the land of promise. Now I've arrived. Let's build a mansion. Let's put our roots down. Let's make ourselves comfortable and happy. No, he looked for a city which has foundations, which is a direct contrast to the tent that he's living in. His tent did not have a foundation. But the city that he was looking for does. In fact, it has 12 foundations. He looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Somehow in this promise where God told Abraham to come out of the the land of Ur of the Chaldees and come to this land of promise which his seed would inherit, he knew that in this call he wasn't coming to just receive a great land that would become his own. The call to come out of Ur of the Chaldees was a call to come out of the world so that his mind would be set on that city which is to come, the heavenly city. And he lived his life on this present earth in such a way that he was a pilgrim and a stranger to it. He did not put roots down into this earth. And when we come to verse 13, we read, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Now, from a worldly standpoint, you would say, Abraham was crazy. He left his family. He left everything he knew. He left probably very comfortable, nice housing in Mesopotamia, which was the nicest place in the world to live at that time. 
And he goes out to a place that God says, you're not going to inherit it while you're alive, but your seed will receive it later on. But you can dwell in this land as a stranger, but someday in the future you will receive a promise. And the world would say, you've got to be crazy to walk away from a comfortable life, from family and from friends, to go to a place that will never belong to you during this life. What are you thinking? These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Abraham, when he came to the end of his life, still had not inherited the land of promise. But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see, when God gives his promises to his people, those who are truly connected to the living God will see the value of God's promises, no matter how far off they may be, compared to what this world has to offer in the here and now. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but by faith they saw the promises. Even though they were far away, and here's what God's promises did to them. There's three things that we see here. So, and it wasn't just Abraham, it was Isaac and Jacob, it was Sarah. And you could say it applies to all those who live a life of faith throughout Scripture. Having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. That's number one. They were persuaded of God's promises. Not only that, they embraced God's promises. And not only that, they confessed. Point number one. Abraham and his family were persuaded of God's promises. That means to have faith or to believe. And in fact, when you look at Romans chapter 4, verse 21, it says of Abraham being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham knew God and he believed what God said. He was persuaded of God's promises. So Abraham had an intellectual assent and an understanding that what God promised would be true. So God's word was convincing to Abraham. Look, if you're going to be a pilgrim and stranger headed on your way to the heavenly kingdom, the first step is to be convinced of the promises of God's word. If you can't even believe God's promises, you're not going to get to the second or the third point in this illustration. God's word is powerful. Abraham understood that God was the creator God whose word speaks into existence and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And so he sees these promises afar off and he is persuaded that what God has promised he is going to perform. And as God's people, we need to become persuaded of the word of God. 
not only did Abraham and his family, not only were they persuaded of God's promises, it says they embraced them. Now, in the Greek, this word embraced means, among other things, to receive joyfully. When Abraham saw God's promises, he received these promises joyfully. When God called him to come out of Ur of the Chaldees, to leave everything that he knew, to go to a land where he wouldn't know anybody, where he would be a stranger and a pilgrim, he embraced or received joyfully the promises of God, even though it involved inconvenience and leaving what he was comfortable with. His belief caused him to then embrace or receive joyfully God's promises that God had something better for him. And it took faith. You know, we live in a world where seeing is believing. Abraham couldn't see, but he believed. And he embraced these promises through faith. So he believed in his mind. This caused him to receive joyfully the promises. But not only that, it says they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And this word confessed means to declare openly or to speak freely of. Abraham's life declared openly that he did not belong to this earth. People who knew Abraham knew that Abraham was a follower of the God of heaven, and Abraham declared that in the way that he lived his life openly and freely. He was not ashamed to declare that he was not living for this present earth. Because he was persuaded of God's promises, he received those promises joyfully, and then he confessed or professed openly that he did not belong to this earth. How did he confess openly? Well, he left Ur of the Chaldees. And he went to a land where he was a stranger. And by his very actions, by the way he lived his life, there was no doubt that Abraham was a stranger and pilgrim on the earth. One of the problems that we as God's people have today is that we doubt God's promises And because seeing is believing and we haven't seen them happen, we're not really persuaded. And when God calls for his people to live a life, to come out of the Babylon of this age, the call is received not with joy, but with disdain. Oh, man. You mean I can't do that? And there is a lack of confession that we don't belong to this earth. In fact, in many ways, we fit in very well. You've probably heard the saying before, if you were charged with being a Christian and you were brought to court, would, be the, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Does your life declare plainly 
that you were a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. Continuing on in this passage, in verse 14, it says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Say what things? They are, well, that they're persuaded that they are, that they have embraced and that they confess that they are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You must be persuaded. You must embrace and you must confess that you are a stranger and pilgrim on this earth to declare plainly that you are seeking the heavenly country. Verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know, Abraham and his family, if they had thought about it long enough and hard enough, they could have said, man, we miss it. There's no place like Ur of the Chaldees. There's no place like Babylon. The food's better. The people are nicer. The churches are better. Our family's there. God will understand. But according to this verse, they never looked back. They didn't think back to what it was like to live in this world without a living connection with God. Their connection with God was so strong that they had no desire to go back to, from what God had called them out of. God said, if you want to have a living connection with me, come out of Babylon. And because of the living connection that Abraham and his family had with the God of heaven, it was so strong that they never missed or desired to go back to Babylon, where they came out of. But if they had been mindful of it, if they had lost their living connection with God, they could have always gone back. There were no barriers between where they lived in Mesopotamia. They could have easily gone back and just set up life again and said, yeah, we went out there and gave it a try, but it was kind of hard out there, so we're back to, to live the good life on this earth. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Do you know that God has prepared for you a city? And do you realize that if by the grace of God you are declaring plainly that you are a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth, God is not ashamed to be called your God. But do you know what that means? If you are not persuaded, if, if you have not embraced, and you do not confess that you are a stranger and pilgrim on this earth, God is ashamed to be called your God. That's what the verse implies. Now let's make this real and practical for 21st century Seventh-day Adventists and for Christians living in this world today because Abraham is the father of faith and all those who follow after him will walk in the same steps of that faith of our father, Abraham. He came out of Babylon and he was persuaded of God's promises. He embraced them and he confessed that he was a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth and his life declared plainly that he was seeking a better country. 
And in Abraham's day, the promises were afar off. But listen, brothers and sisters, we're living at the end of the world, right? So the promises that God gave to Abraham were a long time ago with respect to the history of this earth. The promises that God gave to Abraham are not very far away today. And Abraham lived a long time ago, and he lived his life in such a way where he said, I don't belong to this earth, I'm on my way to heaven. Now, how could it be that God's people living on the edge of eternity with such promises that are no longer afar off, but are right at the very edge of eternity, how could we live our lives anything less than how Abraham lived? Do we declare plainly that we believe that Jesus is coming soon? As 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, the, the Old Testament passages are examples to us upon whom the ends of the world are come. We are supposed to be modern day pilgrims and strangers coming out of Babylon to prepare ourselves for what is to come upon this world as we seek that better country. And just as Abraham lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, he did not put roots down upon this earth. And now is not the time for God's people to be putting roots down into this earth that would cause us to get stuck when God is trying to take us off this planet. And the obvious illustration is not that we would just live in tents and you better not build a house because, no, that's not what we're saying. But what, we're, what the Bible is saying is, is that Abraham lived in such a way that he did not put roots down on this earth. And the question we need to be asking ourselves today is, are we living our lives in such a way that we're not putting roots down so deeply in this earth that when the time comes, we're going to be stuck and we won't be able to get away. We won't be able to flee, so to speak. Abraham is the father of faith. He did not put down roots, and God's faithful will not be putting down roots on this earth either. How do we put down roots on this earth? I think you know. When we make our jobs, our careers, even our families and the goals for our children more important than eternal realities. Let me give you an example. I was speaking at a meeting just a couple of months ago. And at this meeting was a retired Seventh-day Adventist University president. He has been president of two different Adventist universities. And he shared with me an observation that he is made over the last 10 to 15 years, or even maybe 25 years, that in his generation, um, Seventh-day Adventist parents made it a priority to sacrifice whatever it took to make sure that their children got a Christian education so that, that when they came through, they would be educated with a Christian Seventh-day Adventist mindset to go out into the world and to make a difference in the cause of service. And his, and, and again, he's, this is a retired Seventh-day Adventist University president of two different Seventh-day Adventist universities. What he observes today is that people are more concerned about their kids getting into Duke Law School than they are in going out and of doing service for God. 
They're not willing to, to sacrifice to get a Christian education, but they'll pay the big bucks to send them to Duke. And there's this disconnect. It's like, oh, we want our kids to be successful, and then we're putting sacrifices for the things of this world so that they'll be successful in a worldly-minded way rather than being educated to go out and do service for God. Are we putting down roots for this earth? Or are we pilgrims and strangers passing through on our way to heaven? The promises are not far off. Are you persuaded of the promises of God? Do you believe that Jesus has prepared mansions for you in heaven? Or is that just some fairy tale that maybe will take place long after we pass off this earth scene? But in my life, I expect to just live to be a good old age, and then Jesus may come some 100 and 200 years down the road. Are we persuaded? Do we receive or embrace joyfully the promises that Jesus is coming soon? And he has called us out of this world to live a life that declares plainly that we don't belong here. And do we confess plainly by the way we live our lives that we are not here for the long haul, that we are headed to the heavenly country? The people that you interact with and associate with, is your life a clear confession that you belong to God and that you are mindful of the heavenly country? Does your life declare plainly that you don't belong here on this earth? Are you a pilgrim and stranger? You know, as, we, as I said at the beginning of the message, we are pilgrims and strangers on this earth. And yes, we have much to be thankful for. And as we come up upon this Thanksgiving not too far away from now, what are we going to be thanking God for? God, I'm so thankful now I have another car and a really nice house. And my job's great. Boy, life is going good these days. I'm so thankful for this nice life that I have here on this earth. You know, that's the way most of America sees Thanksgiving. But that's not how God's people should see Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should be a yearly reminder to us that we are pilgrims and strangers on this earth and we have been blessed of God with a message for our day that would prepare us for the heavenly city and that we should be sharing with the world around us to prepare them for that heavenly city as well. That is the blessing that God has given to us. That is what we should be thanking God for when we come to Thanksgiving. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. I pray by the grace of God that the life of my family would declare plainly that we're seeking a heavenly country. And I pray that by the grace of God, every family here in this church, that your lives would declare the same thing declaring plainly that you are not living for the here and the now, but you are living your life here as you're passing through as a pilgrim and stranger on your way to heaven. Verse 15 says, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know, there are many Christians that come into the fold of God, but due to a lack of a living connection with Jesus, we start to miss the things that we once did before we gave our life to God. 
We think about the good things that we had. In our mind, we think they're good. And you know, you always have an opportunity to go back. God calls people to come out of Babylon into his remnant church, but you can always go out. God's not going to stop you from leaving if you forget that you are a pilgrim and a stranger on this earth. But those who have a living connection with God desire a better country that is in heavenly. You may ask, how, how would I know if my life declares plainly that I'm seeking a country? How do I know that my life is such that I I desire that better heavenly country that God has prepared for me? Well, here's how you know. In your free time, what do you spend your time doing? What is your priority when you have time to yourself? Is it to further the cause of God or is it to enjoy the things of this world? What are your priorities? What are your goals? What is your focus? Is it to advance the cause of God? Or is it to become comfortable in the present, in the here and now? And would the coming of Jesus be an inconvenience to the comfortable life that you have right now? If the coming of Jesus would be an inconvenience to the comfortable life that you have in the here and now, you're not really a pilgrim and stranger. You've become assimilated to this earth. Pilgrims and strangers, when the time comes for Jesus to come, their roots will not be on this earth. They'll be up in heaven, and they'll be ready to move right on up to the heavenly kingdom. So if you have roots now that would make it inconvenient for you to get off this planet, I would suggest to you that you reorder and reprioritize your life. Because God has called for us to be pilgrims and strangers here on this earth. He wants us to desire a better country that is in heavenly. And those who live their lives in such a way, those who have been persuaded and embraced and confessed that they are strangers and pilgrims on this earth, those of us who declare plainly that we seek a better country, that we desire the heavenly country, God is not ashamed to be called our God. Because he has prepared for us a city. Isn't that amazing? That the God of the universe has prepared a city for us? Why would you want to stay here? So that you can make 10 more dollars an hour next year? So that you can have one more car that you're going to eventually have to get rid of 10 years from now anyway? So that you can impress other people that aren't on their way to heaven that you have a good life here? I mean, what's your motivation? Listen, when you come to know the true and living God, you'll see the blessing that there is in being a pilgrim and stranger on this earth. You'll see the blessing that there is in not belonging to the rat race of the human life. Because what God has prepared for us, I have not seen 
neither ear heard, neither hath entered into the imagination of those who love God. God has prepared for us a city. And as we wrap up this message, there's one other passage I want to show you that's connected to this concept of pilgrims and strangers. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And the apostle Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Listen, we are strangers and pilgrims, and the devil knows that, and he will try to get God's people, who should be strangers and pilgrims on this earth, to fall into a pattern of partaking of the fleshly lust of this world. And if you want to see a clear illustration of how this happened in Old Testament times, Abraham was a pilgrim and stranger. Lot was supposed to be as well. But you know what? Lot and his family, they partook of those fleshly lusts. And when the time came for the city of Sodom to be destroyed, Lot's wife, her heart was so bound with the things of this earth that she turned around because as that city was being destroyed, she was not seeking a better country. Her heart was in the city of Sodom, which is why Jesus says to his people today, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife forgot what it meant to be a stranger and pilgrim on the earth. And if we're not careful, if we partake of the fleshly lust, of the pleasures of this world, of the things that seem innocent perhaps at first, before we know it, the things that we care about, the things that have become our priority, the things that we invest our time and energy for are not for the heavenly things. It's for the things of this world so that we can be comfortable the way Lot was in the city of Sodom. And so my challenge to you today is to be like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To dwell, spiritually speaking, in tents where we don't put down roots on this earth, but that we look for a city which has foundations, that heavenly city, that heavenly Jerusalem, and that now that we are living at the end of the world, we see that God's promises of the coming of Jesus and of this heavenly city, they are not far off, friends. They are very soon, and especially as we see the nearness of the coming of Jesus, we will be persuaded of God's promises. We will embrace them or receive them joyfully, and that we will confess and declare plainly that we do not belong to this earth, but that rather we are seeking a better heavenly country. And by the grace of God, when Jesus comes, he will not be ashamed to be called our God but he will invite us into that heavenly city, which has not just one foundation, but 12 foundations. And he will invite us to enter into those mansions which he has prepared for us. We have a lot to be thankful for. And as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, let's not be thankful for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's not be thankful for the riches of this earth. Let's not be thankful for trying to keep up with the Joneses. Let's be thankful for the promises of God that he has prepared for us. A city, amen? Let's, at this time, sing our closing hymn, hymn number 445, I'm But a Stranger Here. 
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.